What is up and welcome back to the Ministry Refuel podcast with your host, Kat Robbins. I forgot my name for a second. Uh, I'm Kat Robbins and I'm so glad that you clicked this episode and choose to spend the next 20 or so minutes with me uh, just as we dive into another interesting topic as it pertains to us in ministry and leadership. You're here. You made it another week if you're listening to this when it drops Congrats. It's Friday. If it's not Friday, I'm so sorry. Hopefully it's Saturday or Sunday Um, and not a Monday because, you know, Mondays can be rough. Um, But you're here and I'm so grateful that you took the time to listen to this episode. Um, I want to talk about something a little controversial because it does challenge a little bit of the status quo in this day and age. Um, You know, I've shared a little bit on previous episodes before. But I grew up in an environment where self-care really wasn't a thing. I'm just going to say it that way. Um, There were aspects where we took care of ourselves, yes. But the emphasis that society now places on self-care was unheard of in my context. um, Probably about 10 or 12 years ago. It just wasn't as important as it is now. There are so many beautiful things about self-care. I've seen people who have walked through so much hurt not feel shame any longer to go see somebody and talk to somebody about their struggles. Um, I've seen people take steps that, you know, they may not have um, had there not been more of uh, an emphasis upon self-care. So I love how we are teaching people that it's okay to take care of yourself. This concept that self-care is not selfish. And I definitely agree. However, (laughs) we all know that uh, there are concepts that we adopt as a church, perhaps as the world. And maybe at first it seems like, man, this this is exactly what we needed. And because of our humanity or addictions or whatever it is, we take it and we move it to an extreme place. And so rather than implementing self-care to an extent that uh, it brings you life so that you can minister or lead or love your kids, love your family the way that you should in a healthy way, uh, get schoolwork done without feeling like the world is ending, right? Like instead of having those healthy principles, we have kind of taken it to an extreme to the point that I've seen a lot of people um, pair self-care with this question of, is that serving you? Maybe you've seen this on social media where people will say things like, oh, that person wasn't serving me anymore. uh, So I got rid of that person and we write them off as toxic, right? Or you know, this particular thing I was doing was not serving me any longer. So I cut it out of my life. There are obvious toxic things that need to be eradicated from our lives. However, we have kind of adapted this mentality that if it's not good for me in the moment, doesn't make me feel good. Again, that's what serving comes down to. So instead of self-care, We're looking at self-service. What is servicing me? What instantly gratifies my flesh and my carnal needs? And we're not going to say it that way, but 
in a lot of extreme cases with self-care, that's what it kind of boils down to for some people. And we really have to ask ourselves, when I am caring for myself, what is my motive? Because there are people, again, who are refreshing themselves so that they can go and minister and do all of the things that they feel led to do and do it in a healthy way. But there are certain people out there who it's, you know, what can I do for me? What can I do to make my flesh feel good in this moment? And instead of caring for myself, I serve myself. You know, we are all well aware that Jesus said, whoever wants to be great among you must first be a servant. And that is a scripture that captivates me all the time because we teach people to climb ladders and successful people get up at five in the morning and work out and, you know, write their goals and take a cold shower and do all of these things so they can climb a ladder and become something. And yet Jesus once again, lives in a kingdom of opposites from the world. And so instead of saying, hey, climb this ladder, hey, get that job promotion, hey, make sure you're better than everybody else, he said, no, 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 take on the nature of a servant, get low, get humble, and that's what makes you great because you're going to be ready to serve people. And those are the people who leaves a mark on the world. Those are the people who leave legacies behind, not people who are pushing other people out of the way so that they can be uh, on top, so they can be first place. Those are not the people that are remembered. And if they are remembered, let's be honest, they're not remembered well. But the people that you remember, the people who truly leave a mark on this world, and I know you know it's true, even maybe you're thinking about it right now, those are the people who are humble, Those were the people who served other people. Those were the people who asked, how can I help you versus what can you do to help me? And I love that. And um, many of you know I'm in school for my MDiv. So if you think of me, pray for me because (laughs) I lot on my plate. Uh, But God is good. God is faithful. And I'm just, wow, learning so incredibly much right now. And this week's assignment, we actually uh, watched um, a talk from... Dr. Tan. He is, um, he is, I can't pronounce his name. I'm just, I'm gonna be honest with you. I cannot pronounce his name, but his, his last name is Tan, Dr. Tan. And essentially, uh, he did a talk on post-traumatic growth. Now, odds are you've probably heard of post-traumatic stress disorder, right? So something traumatic happens in a person's life and they now deal with a the ramifications basically for the rest of their life due to whatever this traumatic thing was. Uh, this, however, um, in contrast, is a is essentially a principle that uh, the trauma is causing growth in you. And that sounds crazy in this world because trauma is a bad thing, right? We all know trauma to be you know, trauma can be anything that affects a person negatively. It doesn't have to be this massive thing. It could be a massive thing, but it's anything that can uh, cause just a negative emotion, a negative feeling in your life. And when we think about trauma, again, we think about negative instances and negative consequences, but we rarely think about what good could come from this. And in a lot of ways, um, we see even in the scripture where it talks about suffering and how suffering produces eventually a hope. 
you know, it kind of goes through. It's like it's uh, it's like suffering produces endurance. It produces all of these things in your life as you suffer, because suffering causes you to cling to Christ. And again, we see in Second Corinthians chapter twelve that when Paul is suffering with a thorn in his flesh, we don't know what it is, but it's something he's suffering with. When he is suffering, that is the moment that he realizes that Christ is strongest in his life. And in the same way, that's what this principle is saying. That when you are going through trauma, it can bring about growth. What a beautiful principle. That is a psychological principle. Post-traumatic growth. Wild and crazy. But this man gets even crazier in his talk. And this is where I want to kind of land today. Is that he, he talks about how... A disciple of Christ cannot be balanced. And um, I am a, a pretty strong believer in the fact that balance does not exist. I would love for balance to exist. I think you can aim for balance. I don't think any human being is capable of, of um, mastering perfect balance. In fact, I, I think it is a part of God's plan that we don't master balance because if we were to be perfectly balanced, we would feel like we don't have a need for Christ and we radically do need Christ in everything. And so again, I don't agree with balance. And one of the things that he talks about is at first he's kind of not trashing, but in a way he's kind of um, diluting the concept of self-care. Which again is crazy because in this day and age, that's such a buzzword and that's such a thing that um, people are implementing into their lives. And, and he just talks about how a lot of times with self-care, it's this intent to try to find balance in your life, to try to figure things out and make sure that everything is, you know, flowing. Sometimes you'll do yoga. Um, you know, some people think yoga is demonic. I'm I'm not here to to say either way. I haven't done enough of a study to to say. Um, but you know, you do you. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Um, but you know, sometimes we do things um, to try to achieve this level of balance in our life, and sometimes we do that through self care. I know for me, one of the things that I love to do on a weekly basis, if I can, is a reset. That is one of my favorite things to do. And for a little bit, I thought, hey, I'm getting my life in balance. Eh, wrong. You might be getting your life together, but you are not bringing about um, balance because it doesn't exist. It's a myth. Um, however, what's so interesting about his point is that he goes on to say that life is less, should be less focused on self-care and more about stewardship. More about stewardship. And at first I was like, huh? How do those two things go together? Um, but the more he was speaking, the more I thought about what a brilliant thought that is. Because a lot of times when we talk about stewardship, we think money, right? And, and that is an important thing to know how to steward. So I'm not going to take away from the importance of that. However, um, there are lots of things in, in our lives that we steward, whether we realize it or not. We steward our own personal health. We steward our finances. We steward our time. We steward our relationships. Basically, everything that God has given to us, we make a choice of how we're going to steward those things. That's the beautiful thing about the Lord. He, you know, we're like kids, you know, being handed all these power tools and we don't really know what to do with them. And so we're just out there figuring it out. And God's like, I love my kids, but 
they're crazy as heck, right? And and that's really what we're doing is we're out here just trying to figure out how to utilize what's been given to us. And the problem is, is we're trying to balance it all, right? We're trying to hold all of these things in our hands and try to make them work simultaneously when in reality, we are called to steward moments. Moments. How are you stewarding the moment in front of you? I told you guys in the episode last week that I turned... 31 and uh, still taking that one in because I still feel like I'm you know 18 in so many ways you know but again just with added knee and back pain but I I, and you know mentally in so many ways I'm stuttering like crazy I feel like I'm still 18 and young and vibrant and all those things right um but I've, I've just been remembering the fact that hey you've lived like a lot of life and you've you've gone through a lot of different things in your 31 years on earth and it's been a lot but it's it's gone fast and I've really just been kind of a self-evaluating and asking myself man how have I stewarded those moments And I realized I haven't really been stewarding moments very well. Uh, What I've been doing is showing up and not being present. I would show up to an opportunity and or, or an event. I don't know why I said opportunity, but an event and basically say, all right, where do I have to be next? Maybe if if you're a leader in in ministry or, or something of that nature, you find yourself in a similar boat. You know, I told you guys, I I went to a concert last week and my friend and I are at the concert. I'm having the time of my life internally, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, we're in downtown Atlanta. We're sitting in the, you know, the second level of the auditorium. We parked in kind of a sketchy parking lot. If you're familiar with Atlanta, we're across the street from the CNN Center right outside the Benz Stadium. It's not the best area in the world for two young ladies to be. Don't you love that I, uh, you know, called ourselves young ladies? But two ladies to be in the city of Atlanta by ourselves without any form of protection. Uh, I'm, I'm freaking out a little bit. And I'm sitting there rather than enjoying the moment and stewarding the moment that I have. I'm asking myself what's next. And I believe that's ultimately what this gentleman, Dr. Tan, was trying to say in his talk is we're trying to figure out how to carry all of these things simultaneously because we believe in the myth of balance that I can carry all of these things and it's going to be fine. When in reality, how are you stewarding the moment in front of you? Hear me. How are you stewarding your nap time? That sounds ridiculous. That sounds crazy. But I genuinely ask you the question, how are you stewarding your nap time? Do you go in and lay on your phone and check emails when you need to be napping? No. When you are laying down for a nap, your body needs to rest. Your mind needs to rest. So be 100% in your nap time. And when you do that, I believe when you give your body the rest that it needs, you're then able to be 100% stewarding your time when you're at work. Or more importantly, when you're with your family. How are you stewarding your moments with your family? How are you giving those your very best? How are you caring for those moments that have been placed in front of you? I had a really teary prayer time um, on, on my actual birthday because I was just thanking God for all of the blessings that I have in my life. I started seeing, you know, the faces of people that I love so much and I'm like, God, I've taken them for granted because I haven't been stewarding 
moments well. I haven't been stewarding friendships as well as I could because I'm trying to achieve some level of perfect balance that does not exist. You know, I think the disciples kind of experienced this moment too, going back to a moment of, of self-serving. We all know that that Jesus was was going to the cross. He was about to be betrayed. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he brought his his closest boys with him. The boys who, and I say boys on purpose because they were, theologians believe they were young. They were teenagers. These young boys that saw miracles that they could have never fathomed. They were walking with God incarnate and they probably didn't even realize the fullness of that. They were walking with the Messiah, with the Jesus Christ, and Jesus knew he was about to be betrayed. And frankly, the disciples knew that he was about to be betrayed because Jesus told them multiple times. But let's be honest, like you and I, they probably forgot. <laughs> but they're going to the Garden of Gethsemane and Bible trivia. What were they supposed to be doing? They were supposed to be praying. They were supposed to be with their BFF, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing that he was about to be betrayed, knowing that he was about to be brutally killed. They knew all of those things, brutally crucified, the worst form of punishment that a human being could endure. In fact, the word excruciating, like excruciating pain, comes from the word out of the cross. Um, to emphasize how incredibly painful this was. The disciples knew it. And yet, instead of praying, come on, you know what they were doing. They were sleeping. They fell asleep. They were they were tending to their physical needs, right? And I know you could say, hey, they, they fell asleep. It was probably dark outside. It was probably late. They were going through a lot of emotions. They needed to go to sleep. And that is the interesting thing with self-care where sometimes we say, well, that's just what I needed. That's what I needed to do. And we assume we know what we need best rather than allowing the Holy Spirit to speak into our situation. And so what happens is, and this is in Matthew 26, 40, it says, he awakened Peter, this is Jesus, and said to him, could you not stay awake with me for even one hour? Keep alert and pray that you'll be spared from this time of testing. Your spirit is eager enough, but your humanity is weak. Then he left them for a second time to pray in solitude. Couldn't you stay awake with me for even one more hour? In the moment that Jesus needed the disciples most, the disciples fell asleep. Jesus needed them for once to serve him. I need you. You know, right before this, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Peter's like, Jesus, don't, don't wash my feet, wash my head, wash my whole body, wash me clean. And, and Jesus is saying, I'm showing you. And now that I have washed your feet, in other words, now that I have taken the lowest seat, that the highest of highs has taken on the lowest of low seats to wash your feet. I'm showing you this as an example so that you'll do it to one another. AKA, one day you'll do this. I hope you'll do this for me. But in that moment, I fell asleep. 
instead of stewarding a moment well. Friends, I want to encourage you. Do not fall asleep in the moments that you need to steward well the most. In other words, don't fall asleep on your family. Don't fall asleep on your ministry. Don't fall asleep on those things in an attempt to try to figure out what will serve you best, how to care for yourself the best. Yes, care for yourself, absolutely. But we need to be asking ourselves, how can I serve others way before we think about just serving ourselves? This is an opportunity for us to take the low seat. And guess what? It's hard. It's difficult. It's challenging to always be thinking about other people. You want to know why? Because it doesn't matter how many years in ministry you spend. It doesn't matter how many books of the Bible you read. It doesn't matter how many self-help and leadership books you read. Your flesh is still going to flesh. Your flesh is still going to want to serve itself. Your flesh is still going to want to care about yourself. Your flesh is still going to get tired and say things. Oh, Jesus is convicting me right now. You are still going to say things when you're tired. Your flesh is going to speak and you have to ask the Holy Spirit, get me back in line again, Holy Spirit, because I'm saying crazy things. Why? Because your flesh is going to flesh. But as we remain believers and leaders who are led by the Spirit, we recognize I have a responsibility to steward the moment that's in front of me. So that means I'm going to steward my Sabbath well. Why am I going to steward my Sabbath well? So that I don't fall asleep in moments that I need to be awake. How many times have you missed a Sabbath? I've talked to so many people and I ask because I'm not great at it. And I've I've shared this on previous episodes. I'm not great at taking a regular Sabbath. It's something that I'm continually working on. But I can't tell you how many people I talk to and I'm like, so what does your Sabbath look like? And they look at me like I have three heads. There are people who have sat in Sunday school for years and heard, obey the Sabbath and keep it holy, but they don't know what it means. Therefore, they don't practice it. And again, that's why we, I mean, literally talking to the earlier generations of ministers, I've asked, what's advice you would give to a young minister? What's, what's advice you would have for someone who wants to have their church one day? Do you know what the majority of older pastors tell me? Don't forget your family. Oh man, if I could go back, I wish I would have spent more time with my kids. Want to know why? Because there wasn't a healthy amount of Sabbath taking place in their life. They weren't stewarding their time well to Sabbath to take care of their body, to rest their mind. They weren't doing those things. And so what happens is you you are naturally going to fall asleep when you're tired. I'm talking both physically and also spiritually. When you are tired, or you know the Snickers commercial that says, you're not you when you're hungry. You're a different person when you're hungry, right? You've ever been there before? You're hanging out with your friends and you're hangry. You you feel like you haven't eaten in three days, even though it's probably only been like three hours. But you feel so frustrated, so angry. You go to the restaurant and you got to wait to sit down. And now, hey, post-pandemic service isn't what it used to be. And you got to wait forever to get a table. You finally get seated and then they mess up your order. Or your order takes forever to get there. In reality, these things aren't taking that long. But they feel like they're taking so long because 
you're hangry because you let yourself get too hungry. The same thing happens when we're tired. When you don't get a lot of sleep at night, it affects the way you think. It affects the way you process. It affects the speed of which you respond. It affects things because your body needs things in order to thrive. Guess what? Your spiritual life in the same way needs things in order to thrive. We cannot steward moments well because here's the reality. You are operating by the Spirit. I believe that. I believe that as you spend time with Jesus and you ask the Holy Spirit, He's living inside of you. He helps guide your decisions. He helps guide your words. But don't ever forget, friend, that you are still flesh. You still have carnal desires. You still have the ability to mess up. You still have the ability to say something dumb. You still have all of those abilities. And so what do we do to ensure that we are stewarding moments well in both spirit and truth? How do we do that? You steward your Sabbath well so that you are well. And something more important, I'm going to blow your mind here, something more important than self-care is soul care. Soul care. And I really want to challenge each of you that are listening to a soul care day. So our uh, our director um, encourages our staff every couple of months, I think it's every other month or every two months or something like that, um, to do a soul care day. And so we literally have a template that we follow throughout the day, where basically we spend time in prayer. We pray uh, toward a specific topic. Um, we've we've prayed about peace. We've prayed about church hurt. We've we've prayed about lots of different topics that of things that we're carrying as leaders. We pray. We worship. All by the way, all of this takes place outside of the office. Maybe this is something you need to start doing with your team. And again, it's literally a breakdown of, hey, 30 minutes of prayer. Here's some scriptures that can guide you in your prayer. Here's some discussion questions after your time of prayer. Now I want you to worship and I want you to sing out to the Lord all the things that you've just processed through and, um, you know, and, and just finish out that time just spending spending it with the Lord. And then we we come together as a staff, we eat lunch together and we talk about it. We talk about what the Lord's been saying And can I tell you, those meetings have been so much more worthwhile than some, you know, dinky little meeting that we are just operating in the flesh over. The meetings where we have taken time to just be with the Lord, to reset and realign our hearts with His, man, it brings out new unity on our team and it helps keep us focused on the right thing. It helps keep us focused on stewarding moments well. That when I'm in prayer, I'm with the Lord. My phone has to be on do not disturb. I'm not checking Instagram. I'm not, you know, I don't know, reading a book that's not dealing with my time with the Lord. I am fully focused on being with Jesus. And when I'm spending time with my family, can I tell you all something? It is so hard. My husband will vouch for this. My family will vouch for this. It is so hard for me not to pick up my phone. Maybe you're the same way. I I would bet money that you're the same way. And I've had to learn to start putting my, I put my phone in the middle of the table face down. And the reason I do that is because I feel a little bit more 
I don't know, tentative. Is that the word? That's not the word. I feel more timid. I'll say that way. I feel more timid about reaching out in front of everybody and grabbing my phone. There's just something psychological with it. What are you going to do to set yourself up for the win in in not only stewarding moments well, but caring for your soul? Both of those things go hand in hand, by the way. When I care for my soul, when I am intentional about being 100% focused in the moment with the Lord, and I'm caring for my soul, and I'm, again, realigning my heart and mind with Christ, now what happens is everywhere I go, I want to live on purpose. I don't want to fall asleep on the moments that are most important. When somebody comes in my office because I've cared for my soul, I don't want to avoid them. Does that make sense? Have you ever been there before? You had a long day, you're tired, your kids are going through a lot, your wife or your husband is going through a lot, and then somebody comes in their office and they have a little problem and they come up to you and it's the end of the world to them, and you're like, oh man, I would rather not talk to them today. No, no, no. When we care for our soul, we realign our heart with the Lord, and now we can steward that moment so much better because though it may not be a big deal to us, it is a big deal to the person who is experiencing it, Therefore, that's a big deal to God. And if that's a big deal to God, it should be a big deal to us. But until we care for our souls, until we stop trying to serve ourselves, and I know this has been a lot, y'all. I've tried to pack a lot of content content in a short period of time. But it boils down to this. We have to care for our souls. We have to spend time with the Lord, not distracted then we have to, when we leave our home, we have to realize God's going to give me moments today. He's going to give me moments with family, with my work. He's going to give me moments with my coworkers that I may not care for. He's going to give me moments and I decide whether or not I'm going to be present or I fall asleep. And you really have to ask yourself, will I be present today or will I be asleep? And I think when we fall asleep, Jesus looks at us and he's like, couldn't you have stayed awake just another hour? And no, maybe Jesus isn't being crucified, but one of, one of his, his kids is going through it and they needed you to be with them. And that's, that's what we are as leaders. We get to be with people in the midnight hour when things are hard, when they're facing a crisis that again, it might be a little dinky breakup of their four week long relationship, but they need you. And we can't be fully there until we are fully aligned with what God's heart is. And his heart is his people, it's his children, it's you and me and everybody we encounter. His heart is that you would give yourself fully to your family, your spouse, your kids, whatever your family dynamic looks like, your friendships, God's desire is that we don't waste what he gave us, but that we steward those things well. It's not just money. Hey, don't don't go squander your wealth. Yeah, but also don't go squander your relationships. Don't go to coffee with somebody and have your mind somewhere else the entire time. Be there 100%. Be there 100% with that person, loving that person, giving that person your heart and your full attention. That's going to make... The difference in your life, in your ministry, in your leadership. 
Well, I hope that you feel encouraged. Again, I know that was a lot of information, but I hope you feel encouraged to practice soul care this week. Get alone with the Lord. You may not have a a perfect template in front of you that you're following, but maybe you block out two hours in your schedule, three hours in your schedule this week of just undistracted time where you're out of the office, you're, you're out of you know, your place of work and your home and you're just spending time with the Lord, I promise you that's going to do something big for you in the way that you see people and the way that you love people and the way that you love your family. It's going to make the difference because you have aligned your soul with what God is going to do. He's given you moments and he will give you moments this week. And I want to encourage you, ask yourself, how can I care for my soul and how can I steward these moments well? Everybody, thank you so much for listening. My name is Kat Robbins, and this is the Ministry Refuel Podcast.